Mazda has just shot itself hilariously fair in the junk, metaphorically, regarding its anti-consumer proclivities. Carmakers certainly do hate it when a court associates them with terms such as misleading or deceptive, because they typically try really, really hard not to include those words in the brochure. They wait, don't they, instead? And they throw you under the bus only well after you have spent the big bucks. That's just one of those hidden surprise and delight ownership experiences. Now, in respect of Mazda's guilt, complicity, uh, some would say bastardry, I would argue that if you've got your own lawyers on tap and you take the decision to break a well-established law 49 times, almost as if you think compliance is somehow optional, then you really can't claim, I don't know, the dog ate your freaking homework at the 11th hour, can you? I'm certainly no lawyer, but I'm pretty sure dog eating your homework is not a complete defence to acting like a comprehensive anti-consumer <laughs> cock. If that's not bad enough, reputationally, after several years of toss arguing sufficient to pay for, I don't know, hypothetically, several barristers' children to become the most self-entitled brickies labourers ever after graduating from the most prestigious private schools, a very important man in a wig recently said, dudes... That's going to be 11.5 million bucks, if you don't mind, and please accept this barbed wire enema on behalf of society as a token of appreciation for all the hard work you did on this one, together with a walk of shame also on us. I'm all about the walk of shame, dude. Perhaps if we're really, really lucky here, some, I don't know, how would you describe him? Some random geriatric with a lofty but entirely made-up title and frankly nothing better to do with his life who's never asked Mazda for a red cent in advertising revenue ever will sit in his garage after this and scream about this issue at the sky or a camera who knows using the high-tech miracle of what GWB the second would have called the Internets. I'm Urban from AutoExpert.com.au, Newcastle Cheap, Australia only website card. In a rare bout of consciousness, the ACCC took an interest in and pity upon nine customers whose nuts were in something of a vice almost a decade ago, thanks to Mazda. Justice is, of course, perennially on benzodiazepine. The vehicles here were purchased way back between 2013 and 2017, I think. We're talking a broad spectrum of Mazdas too, like Mazda 2, Mazda 6, CX-5, CX-3 and BT-50. Might have been quicker to make a list of Mazdas which they didn't buy. The ACCC didn't act until 2019. So typical. Like, it's pretty hard to act, isn't it, when you spend 
I don't know, 20 days a month frickin' unconscious. Not including weekends, of course. Then the legal shitheadery really kicked off in earnest. We're talking full throttle and high gear, dude. The ACCC's claim of unconscionable conduct against Mazda was booted by the federal court. They were, however, found guilty of being false or misleading assholes, or something of that nature. The ACCC woke up again just three years later in 2022 and doubled down, appealing the unconscionable conduct dismissal, and again the watchdog's nuts were sliced off by the court. That was in 2023. Mazda appealed against the determination that they were false or misleading shitheads or similar because, presumably, they felt that this might affect their reputation somehow. And, dude, conference calls back to Hiroshima always go downhill when this kind of thing happens. But the court ultimately said that they could jam their appeal in the distal end of their digestive tract also. That was on the very same day they sliced off the ACCC's unconscionable conduct nuts by way of appeal dismissal. So, a nil-all draw for the wig wearers before the bench on that day. Seemed pretty settled at that point, didn't it? Mazda are misleading or deceptive anti-consumer bastards or similar, but not unconscionably so. Well done. Such a distinction. And the penalties got handed down this week. (laughs) Just 11 years after the bastardry in question kicked off. $11.5 million, which will, of course, be paid to the government, not the victims. Nine consumers were affected in total, so the penalty was $11.5 million. Pretty safe to say it would have been cheaper just to fix for free or replace all of the offending fucking cars and give each consumer three weeks in a terracotta hot tub with Tanya, Tina and Tiffany in Tuscany. If you've got a problem with your car and the car maker is leaning towards you going under the bus, dude, I'm going to tell you exactly what to do and how the law actually works next. This video is sponsored by me, mainly because I've had it with people deluding themselves about EVs. I've just had a gutful of that. You want to do the right thing and hey, I get that. You can buy a cheap EV today for about 40 grand. But that new EV is going to depreciate immediately. It's going to bleed money as soon as you register it, and that process will not stop. Alternatively, for under about 20 grand, you can get yourself a high quality rooftop solar and battery backup system. It'll slash your electricity bill and add value to your house and protect you from power failures and be far more effective climate action than buying any EV all for a fraction of the cost. Visit autoexpert.com.au slash solar. Now, I've just partnered with a leading Australian solar and battery home power specialist. I've known the owners for years, actually, and they're both honourable dudes. They do hundreds of installations every month. They handle the whole thing, the rebate, the approvals, whatever, and they only use quality components from suppliers with good onshore support. 
They make solar and home batteries simple, basically. In most cases, you're up and running in a day, and if you don't know a kilowatt hour from an inverter, no problem, you don't have to. You'll get a reliable system that'll slash your power bills at least, and it might even be cash flow positive from day one. It kind of depends on individual circumstances. It can even make your house apocalypse-proof, meaning not only can you get seamless blackout protection, but the solar array can be set up to charge the battery every day if the power is out, so all the essential stuff remains up and running, even if the outage is a kind of open-ended long one. We've all been told to expect more extreme weather events, grid instability, consequential power failures, and this is a countermeasure against that which you can easily implement. Nobody likes paying that relentless electricity bill, I get that. This is how you divorce yourself from that, okay? As well as the coal that is typically burned making your electricity. And coal is, of course, the biggest source of CO2 emission in Australia. What this means is you can take effective climate action now at a fraction of the cost of buying an electric car. And unlike that electric car, a smart solar system with a battery backup will typically add many times its cost in value to your home. Visit autoexpert.com.au slash solar today, fill in the contact form and find out how simple and cost effective the right solar battery system for your home can be. The key thing for you to remember, if you own a car that goes poopy in its trousers, you've got to know that you have legislated consumer rights, even if that car is no longer under warranty. Legally, your car and most other products must meet the durability expectations of a reasonable consumer. And ultimately, that's for a court to determine, like, what's reasonable. But in the case of cars, it probably means something like, I don't know, 160,000 Ks and or 10 years, whichever comes first. So if you're inside that window and something fails prematurely, you are entitled legally to a remedy. Not if you caused it, of course, perhaps during a ram raid or by parking your fine conveyance in the ocean overnight or never getting it serviced, or just not getting it serviced on time, okay? However, if you're not responsible for the failure, for example, if your engine or transmission just up and goes poopy for no apparent reason, that's on them. And that is the law. It's not my opinion. How it's enforced and what they can get away with, that's another matter. We could be here all day talking about that, but the law says that's how it is, okay? Car makers and dealers, at least some of them, pretend that this is not the case. And their abject douchebaggery here is pretty much dependent on the person before them being an ignoramus. And we're in Australia, dude, so we're typically overstocked on ignorance, aren't we? Which is why so often they're successful at brushing off people with legitimate complaints. Now, if the nature of the failure is comparatively minor, you are legally entitled to a free repair or something of that nature. However, if the failure is a major one, you're entitled additionally to a refund of the purchase price in full or a free replacement. And you get to choose which of those remedies you want, not them. Major failures are where the car isn't fit for purpose or it can't be fixed in a reasonable time or it is unsafe. 
if your car goes back to the dealer multiple times for some minor failure and it is not successfully repaired, that is enough to constitute a major failure. And it's been that way legally for, I don't know, more than about three years now. There's plenty of case law precedent on that. So if I were you, I'd probably keep a diary of salient events regarding whatever the failure is. I'd take photos and videos of the problem and I would communicate with the car maker and the dealer by email because you're going to have to be able to prove this stuff ultimately. So you're going to need records and just having face-to-face -face conversations over the service counter, that's not going to be enough. I would not, however, let the dealer or the car maker think that they are the adjudicator on this. That is not their role. If the law says you are entitled to a full refund, you tell them that is the remedy you expect. And try to do it without being a total dick, okay? You got to do it in writing too. You do everything in writing as soon as you think there's a problem. This way, a litany of non-responses from them or refusals is going to make them look especially rancid in consumer court, which is exactly what you want. So, back to Mazda now. Standing there, trousers around its ankles, writing an IOU to the government for 11.5 million big ones. That's got to hurt. On this, I'm kind of torn because Mazda vehicles are really good. They're so polished. Mazda essentially today is what Honda was in the 1990s, if you can remember that far back. But you can't just own the vehicle, can you? You're also intrinsically in bed with the brand. So getting treated ethically, fairly, whatever, it is quite important when something goes wrong, mainly because of the huge structural imbalance of power between little old you and a giant fuck-off car maker. Like, look at how many private school educations Mazda has paid for here, just fighting this and that in court, attempting to sidestep accountability for being false or misleading bastards, right? You, on the other hand, you're probably flat out affording just your own kids and their significant upkeep. To Mazda, this kind of thing is just an entry in the balance sheet and it's tax deductible. According to Sleeping Beauty, the ACCC, these nine consumers endured recurring and serious faults with their Mazda vehicles within the first two years of purchase. Unfortunately, this suggests to me that the warranty is not even worth a pinch of shit unless the car maker decides to act reasonably. Mazda ignored or rejected requests by the nine consumers for a refund or a replacement vehicle. It told them that the only remedy available was a repair, even though their vehicles had already undergone multiple unsuccessful repair attempts, including complete engine replacements. One vehicle had three engine replacements. Ultimately, Mazda offered to refund only a portion of the vehicle's purchase price or offered a replacement vehicle only if the consumer made a significant payment after multiple failed repair attempts. I don't know the strict legal definition of unconscionable conduct, okay? But out here in the colloquial world, that seems pretty friggin' unconscionable to me. And what I'm not seeing here is any case for the benefit of the doubt. Like, they've got to know that acting in this way is illegal. So 
This kind of conduct has to be a choice. It can't be, at least as I see it, some kind of simple mistake. All of the consumers were given the runaround by Mazda while it engaged in evasions and subterfuges, providing appalling customer service and failed to make any genuine attempt to consider and apply the consumer guarantee provisions of the Australian Consumer Law. ACCC Deputy Chair Catriona Lowe there making that statement while apparently conscious last Wednesday. Here's another real problem, okay? The car industry has this powerful lobby group called the Federal Chamber of Automotive Industries. And I take the piss out of them at every opportunity. And there's so many opportunities, dude. Now, the FCAI exists to push the car industry's agenda by giving receptive ministers and other shot-calling shitheads a reach-around over lunch in Canberra. They're so good at ordering the wine and it's all very convivial. The dude here, rockin' that bitchin' dome, is Vinesh Bendy. And that is, it is a bitchin' dome. So envious. He is both the chair of the FCAI and the cheese of Mazda Australia, right? So the chair of the Barrow Pushers also heads up the company with one of the largest consumer law fuck yous on record. Okay. VB's deputy dog is somewhat more hirsute, Matty C, right there. He's the cheese of Toyota Schittsville. Toyota Schittsville, of course, the company guilty of misleading or deceiving more than a quarter of a million blue singlet Schittsvillians thanks to their crap DPF implementations in the Hilux, Fortuna and Prado 2.8 litre diesel shitboxes. And... Who's next? That guy, Andrew Burkich. Big Burke. He's a director at the FCAI. So he's there at the Reach Around factory in Kingston, at least in spirit. But he's also the cheese of Ford Australia, which was, of course, found guilty of unconscionable conduct in 2018 and fined $10 million over its deplorable dealings in respect of the infamous power shit dual clutch transmission. The bosses of uh, Nissan Schittsville and, you know, Stellantis Schittsville, meaning Jeep, Fiat, dung boxes of that nature. They're also FCAI official reach-around factory directors. Now, just random question. Are you seeing a pattern of particular consumer conduct emerging here? Because I sure as fuck am. It flat out gobsmacks me that the car industry is allowed to operate in a state of self-delusion that compliance with consumer law is somehow optional. This is a fantasy that has become a reality because the ACCC has narcolepsy. Like, consumer law, dude, that's just for toasters and pencils. Come on. It further gobsmacks me that to be regarded as exceptional in terms of customer support, all a car maker has to do is comply with consumer law. Above and beyond, really not necessary. Mazda sold 100,000 vehicles here last year or so, and at, I don't know, 40 grand a pop on average, that would be what? Four billion bucks in retail turnover. So that's probably about... 
I don't know, three and a half billion wholesale. And if the margin on those vehicles averages 8%, that's roughly 280 million bucks in gross profit. And then there's the parts business, which is extortionately lucrative. So 350 million bucks in gross profit, I suppose. 11.5 million in fines is certainly rather a large consumer law penalty, so big tick there. But it's really only about 3% of the profit, which Hiroshima expects Mazda Schittsville to remit back to it. That's like you, isn't it, on 100,000 bucks a year if you cop a three grand on the spot fine for, I don't know, aggravated dressing up like Madonna on a public street while parked in an electric car space or whatever. It's kind of unpleasant copping a fine like that, but it's probably not going to gut you. And dude, you know you shouldn't be doing that, appearing like that in public and parking someone else's spot like that. So disrespectful icing. And although the settlement included, if memory serves, 82,000 bucks for compensation to some of the consumers and 3,000 bucks of additional compensation per vehicle, plus part payment of the ACCC's costs, which must have been considerable, and orders mandating Mazda Institute a Consumer Law Compliance Program. I'm sensing them doing the absolute minimum required on that front. Plus, what else did they have to do? They had to put some fine print mandated by the court on their website and tell the dealers just how much that recent barbed wire enema hurt so good. On balance, when you consider all of that, I really don't think it's all that big a can of corporate whoop-ass, as they probably say in America. However, and no reference to individuals is made, dude, I'm all about the corporate collective, you know that. I know those shitheads are quite unlikely to enjoy this video, or the fact that one would hope, 50,000 or perhaps even 100,000 people just like you who might be in the market for a new Mazda are going to watch it. Oxygenating the vegetables like that up there. So undignified. And thanks to the court's determination, one could probably get away with calling them emphatically anti-consumer cocks until the approximate heat death of the universe. After that, there's really no point, is there? And you'd probably be able to do that without seeing yourself in the dock even once for injurious falsehood. And that's always good, hypothetically. I'm no lawyer. Definitely do not take my advice on that. But it's nice to see them with their trousers down around their ankles, up the ladder to the gallows on the way, and on public display like that. I think we all appreciate a spectacle such as this.